From west to east and kingdom to kingdom, you're listening to the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. Connecting with Walt is brought to you by Dreams Unlimited Travel, experts at helping you plan the perfect Disney vacation. Visit them on the web at dreamsunlimitedtravel.com. Hello and welcome to episode 98 of the Diz Unplugged Connecting with Walt podcast. I am your host and Diz historian Michael Bowling and I am joined by my co-host, producer and good friend Craig Williams. Craig, how are you today? I'm doing great. How are you, Michael? <laughs> I'm fine. Thank you. You had to think about it. Uh, I think there was a little <laughs> bit of it. On my end, the recording broke up just a little bit, but uh, we've also, uh, just to peel back the curtain, as we do from time to time on here, we are currently on almost the third hour of our conversation being together, <laughs> and usually at like hour two, we have connection issues, but we've made it almost three hours with not an um. interruption at all and yeah, knock on wood now you've jinxed it I, I, maybe i did but i'm i'm proud so something we have some sort of divine intervention tonight uh it's Let's everything is so. working smoothly for the most part Every, everything is awesome yeah. but, all right well you know we were talking about disney plus uh, a couple weeks ago and speculating what would be and what wouldn't be on that on the streaming service and I don't think this is official, but it's been all over the interwebs. Seems like um, the question about Song Mm. of the South might have been answered, that it will not be available. And and it's funny because you referred to this. The crow scene from the animated classic Dumbo will be edited out. So um, Yeah, I, I mean, here's the thing. I, I don't know anything about this website. And I'm not trying to I, – I really do not want to say this in a negative way. Uh, the the person who who put out this information, I believe it's like Boardwalk Times. Um, That's where I first saw it. Yeah. And then it, it just seemed to catch fire. It, it did catch fire, and it's been cited by many, many people, and it all seems to go back to this one site. Again, I'm not saying that they don't have the insider information that, that they – said they do um it's it's very well possible um it's mm-hmm. i i've that's one of the things i've learned in all of the years i've done this and that you never know who knows a person with information and it's so i'm not saying that that they don't have this information it's just with song of the south i think we can all sit back and say yeah that was a given uh, mm-hmm. And I, I truly believe that that's a, that was a given. It was while while some some people were hoping that it would be on there, uh, other people were stepping back and saying, "Yeah, no, it's it's not going to happen. It will never happen." the The bigger question is the Dumbo scene because oh. <laughs> This is uh, I'm I'm sorry. I'm just trying to think of the right way to approach us in it. But this is just dumb. 
and I'm not trying to make a pun out of it, but if you other Disney movies have been edited over the the past however many years, but Dumbo has been one that at least with the the scene in particular, the crow scene, that's been in there every single time it's been released, as far as I can tell from the copies I have, whether it's on VHS, Mm -hmm. whether it's on DVD, whether it's on Blu-ray, and it just seems so out of place now that now's the time that they would decide, oh, well, now we have to edit it. And I'm not saying that it's not going to happen, because it very well could happen, but it just seems so bizarre that now's when they take a stance. Um, it, granted, yes, Disney Plus will will reach a a large audience, probably larger than the amount of people who maybe have adopted uh, buying movies from the vault when they've been released. Dumbo's been one of those ones, though, that even though uh, it's it seems like it would be vault worthy. And maybe you can correct me. Dumbo's one of those ones kind of like Alice that once it's released on a format, it's never really gone into the vault at all. Not like the no. the main it, it ones. Was, it's always been – it was one yeah. of the first ones that got released and it's always been around in some version. Exactly. So even then with that in consideration, it's not like it was in a vault and it's been in a vault for a couple of years now and once it's out on Disney Plus – it's it's the first time people are going to be seeing it for a while. It's always been pretty readily available based on mm-hmm. where you're looking at it in stores or, or other places. So it just seems like a very bizarre time to to draw a stance on it. And I'm not saying it's it, the scene is a scene that was made in the time that the movie was made. Uh, you know, it's uh, I, I'm in the I'm in the bandwagon here that jumps on saying like let's put on the disclaimers that Warner Brothers has let's put on the disclaimers that Disney uses for smoking in the movies so it's that's where that's one of the things that's annoying me back with the Walt Disney Treasures set you know we had the the intros from Letter Malton explaining what was happening but even now still in this day when a blu-ray or other release comes out where they're smoking in a in an old animated film they make sure that they run the trailer that you know it's smoking's bad for you smoking's not okay this is another one where they can use that sort of they can use that sort of intro they're running the streaming service they have the choice to put in front of whatever movie they want or show whatever they can put in any subtext they need to up front so it seems weird to me that they would take this stance right now saying we're going to edit this instead of putting a disclaimer up front about it saying we realize that it's no longer okay in this day but it doesn't change the fact that we did it and it's it's still it, of course they could do that with song of the south too yes that's the argument but the crow scene wouldn't be a clean cut i mean because no. there's there's story parts in there that have nothing to do with the yeah. crows but it's in there so it's almost like they would have to reanimate a sequence yeah they have continuity. to change the story entirely so and- i thought i i thought the song of the south had some credibility the crow scene thing to me just seemed out of left field so we'll see yeah i and again it's it very well all could be true 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I don't, I genuinely don't know. So the, the site it comes from is, I guess it's a part of, it's a part of medium, which is a very big conglomerate in terms of, in terms of, uh, in terms of stories and information on the internet. So it's, it's very well that it, it all could be true, but, uh, some of the most bizarre stories I've read recently, this one is, is up there. Um, that yeah. they would, they after years and years of releasing Dumbo the way that it has, but then taking a stance on Song of the South that now they would choose to to really put their foot down. When I'd even say that they've shown some stuff on Treasures from the Disney Vault that weren't always uh, even a hundred percent sanitized in that way. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. Yeah, I agree. Well, speaking of another Disney film, this is the opening weekend for Avengers Endgame, but I have to ask you, have you seen any of the promotional interviews with Brie Larson, Chris Hemsworth, Don Cheadle, and Jeremy Renner? No. Oh, gosh, you've got to. I I don't know what's going on between these people, but I, I'm just going to let you watch them. There's an Entertainment Tonight one. I, they obviously are on this interview junket, and watch them and let me know if if you think all's happy in the Marvel Universe right now. Um, well, I'll be, <laughs> I, I, I will update you on that. Okay. Not until after the movie comes out, because I just can't take any chances with it. Okay. But, I mean, as of the day that, I mean, as of the day that this is released, obviously the movie will already have been out for... Uh, for half a day, at least, considering all the screenings start Thursday night. I'm seeing mine Friday morning, so this morning, uh, from when it was released. And then I'm I'm off the embargo, so I have done, up to this point that we're recording this, I've done everything I can to make sure that I don't see anything. Uh, the most, Oh, okay. The most I've done is I did read one article that was like, initial thoughts from the press and so i read non-spoiler reviews from the press saying like oh we cried so much and we this impacted us in that but i really it's one of those movies i just it's not that i'm afraid of anything getting spoiled it's just i i i the more i think about it the more it's like it's really affecting me as a person and it's so sad to say that that a movie can have that much impact but uh it's it's very rare that we have well, entertainment like this that keeps us on the edge of our seat this much well, it's been around for 10 years 22 films but afterward yeah after you see it look these up oh and I will. just tell me what you think because oh body language <laughs> and all that but anyway Okay, and then it was, of course, something we talked about. It was confirmed Mickey and Minnie's Runaway Trains coming to Disneyland's Two Town. Now, I don't know where this part came out of, but supposedly it's going in the place of the gag factory? The entrance, from what I understand. The, the entrance, yes, yeah. Yes, just the entrance, and then everything else, from what I understand, I could be wrong on this, but just based on some conversations I've had, uh, it potentially could be going at least partially into one of the buildings where they currently house a lot of the parade uh, mm-hmm. infrastructure, and then obviously maybe a little bit more, but yeah, the the gag factory and then the five and dime 
is yeah. going to be uh, going to be renovated in order to fit the entrance of the the okay. attraction. So, well, I'm sure they'll find another place for retail. So somewhere yeah. in there. I, the sad thing <laughs> is, I think you and I both agree that a lot of times it was that one. I think we've talked about it on the show before uh-huh. that a lot of times when there's been something that's been released, even though it says, oh, you can find it in the Emporium, this place, that place, a lot of times you strike out and then you just walk all the way to the back to Toontown and then it's just mm-hmm. sitting there untouched there. with plenty of copies. So yep. uh, or in terms of if it's a yeah. book or if it's a piece of merchandise, plenty of like ads, whatever. It's just it's a place people walk into, but they don't seem to buy anything there. Yeah, I noticed that. But yeah, I've I found things many times there that were sold out elsewhere. So it'll be. So that's why I think they're going to find a spot somewhere. For yeah. That. yeah. So it's like that. It's like over in Storybook Circus. You know, they wouldn't get rid of that retail area there. And, and I was, a lot of times I would find stuff there yeah. that I couldn't find anywhere else in Magic Kingdom. Uh, retail will find so. a way. Yeah, yes. <laughs> Life and retail always finds a way. So, okay, um, just a reminder Waltland Bus Tour with Bob Gurr, and, you know, it's connecting with Walt Day on May 19th. Use your discount code UNPLUGGED, all lowercase, um, to, lo- to purchase your tickets at waltland.com, where you're connecting with Walt or your dish shirt so we can get in a group photo with Bob Gurr. And this discount also applies to a swinging wake celebrating 50 years of the Haunted Mansion on Saturday, September 28th with Bob Gurr and Garner Holt. And Bob says this is going to be, it's going to be the event of the year. So um, we heard it straight from Bob. Yep, we did. And he also told us that his new book, um, Bob Gurr, Legendary Imagineer, Life and Times, Disney and Beyond, it is in its final printing proof stage at the moment, and final approval is expected this week, and it will appear on Amazon um, the first week of May for a price of twenty one ninety five. They will also be available at Walt's Barn starting May 19th, and Bob will be there to autograph. So connecting with Walt, fans who are going on that bus tour with me um we'll be able to get our book signed by bob too so um and chris nichols who's the author of that gigantic tashin publication um walt disney's disneyland wrote the foreword for the book so yeah. um, anyway yeah. oh and i love that disneyland that. book i know we talk about it a lot but yeah <laughs> love it well, this week we are continuing our exploration of Epcot Spaceship Earth. In episode 86 of Connecting with Walt, we talked about the construction of the Spaceship Earth structure. And in episode 97, we talked about the development of the attraction within the sphere and the original opening day version of the ride. In this episode, Craig and I will take you through the updates to the attraction, some interesting details to look for on your next ride, and what the future may hold for this iconic attraction. Will it be more timeless, more relevant, more family-friendly, and more Disney? Well, we will share what we know with you. Now, in the early 1980s, the Bell system was reorganized and divided into independent companies by a U.S. Justice Department mandate because the company held a near-complete monopoly of telephone service in most of the United States. AT&T, which was American Telephone and Telegraph, 
prevailed as the marquee telephone brand and became the sponsor of Spaceship Earth. So the attraction was closed from May 25th to May 29th, 1986. Bell's system branding was replaced with AT&T branding. A new script was written by Imagineer Tom Fitzgerald and was recorded with a new narrator. And that, as you know, Craig was Walter Cronkite. And this was done to give the attraction a warmer tone. Walter Cronkite, of course, was the most beloved um, newscaster of yeah. the day. And, you know, you know him from, obviously, uh, watching historical pieces. <laughs> uh, well, yes, the the, uh, the <laughs> beloved holiday tag that had yeah. to go and rip his voice away. But, you know, it's everyone has seen the clip of the moon landing with, yes. with Walter Cronkite. That's probably the, the biggest Cheering up. Yeah, mm-hmm. but I mean, just knowing that through the '60s and his tenure on TV, he mm-hmm. people, people, I mean, they brought him into their living rooms almost in the same way mm-hmm. with FDR and his fireside chats. It's like Walter Cronkite was almost an extension of that as a newscaster, and you know, while we've had while we've had popular newscasters, uh, I feel like. There hasn't been anyone who's ever risen to the same level of prominence as Walter Cronkite have. You know, maybe a couple have come close, but I feel like in other ways there's been other people who have have made an impact on on our history the same way he had. I mean, you could say Johnny Carson did in a way. You could say that Oprah did. Um, but you know, Walter Cronkite was really one of a kind. Uh, just was was he in that film at Disney MGM Studios with Robin Williams? The one before the the animation tour. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yes. I thought so. Yeah, that's where folks would know him too. Yeah, well, you okay. know, minus the years of dedication to <laughs> serving the yeah. news industry. You know him from an attraction. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. Well, you know, he was around. He got around. Anyway, Tom Fitzgerald's script was considered by many to be a bit more dramatic and more interesting. The most significant change was a full musical score being added to the attraction. There were also a few changes to the show scenes. During the initial ascent, the smoke effect was removed and replaced with a new star field effect. The Hebrew people's contributions to communication were now recognized. Two new scenes were added to the attraction in between the family living room scene and the network operations center scene. The first of these depicted the creation of the personal computer with a young man sitting at his desk. The audio animatronic figure used in this scene was relocated from the printing press scene. Also added was the paperless office scene, which featured an audio animatronic woman that had been previously seen in the network operations center scene. A voiceover reminder was added in the data flow tunnel warning riders their vehicles would rotate backwards in the upcoming scene. And the attraction's finale was changed so that instead of showing projections of new technology, images were instead introduced to the attraction's new theme song, Tomorrow's Child. These projections visualize the idea that the children of today would be the leaders of tomorrow. The new finale gave the attraction a more climactic ending and also conveyed the message of hope for the future, that today's children will be tomorrow's explorers and leaders. 
And Tomorrow's Child was written by Ron Avedia and Peter Stugard and performed by Sally Stevens. In the Descent Ramp, a new star effects um, were also added to give the scene more depth. So Tomorrow's Child, I think for many, was the iconic song for this attraction. Absolutely. Uh, It was, I, I don't remember it from this time period like i I said i think uh i I don't remember if it was this week or last week but i i definitely did the walter cronkite version and uh i i know tomorrow's child because i don't even remember what year it was at this point but uh sometime in the early 90s we took a vacation down to to visit my grandparents not not at walt disney world but good old-fashioned fort lauderdale uh you know where where everyone went so it's like they either went to fort lauderdale or fort myers but they had to be in that lower miami region and well yeah your your grandparents wanted to go on spring break oh yeah 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 a permanent (laughs) spring break for the winter and that was like I, I can still remember that was one of the most devastating things is realizing we're going to Florida. We're going to Fort Lauderdale. That means we're going to Disney. And no, we're not, because that would be a three plus hour drive up there. So that that crushed my dreams. So this had to be around ninety four because I brought back two souvenirs that I can remember. The first was a Pride Rock. Uh, it was a it, it was a Pride Rock a little mini playset that kind of opened up. It's about palm size for an adult, mm-hmm. and that was like one of my favorite things because you know Lion King had already been released at that time, and so that was just awesome. And the other thing I brought back was the the official album of Disneyland and Walt Disney World that I think I bought in the Disney Store in in their mall that was close by, and this was I think the 1991 version of the album, and so it. It, it was a two-sided cassette. It, well, all cassettes are two-sided. That was stupid of me. But uh, it, you know, it started out. The first side was basically all of the the classics from from Disneyland and Walt Disney World, and then from there, like the back half was very, very Epcot heavy. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there was there was no Hollywood Studios, even though it had been opened at that point in time. It was like all Epcot on the second half and you know so that's where i i learned tomorrow's child and listen to the land and you know the list goes on and on um the, the universe of energy song it's fun to be free the new horizons space like all all of them um it just so i well i know i would have experienced tomorrow's child at some point that for me the nostalgia comes back to thinking about when we would be on car trips and you know we my sister and i would have we each had our own our own walkman and i probably burn out that cassette to the <laughs> very end of its life i listened to it all the time like i genuinely i loved that thing i i'm sure it's probably still in my possessions back at home somewhere if it even still worked at all it was my life and a lot of it was the epcot music on there i loved a lot of the stuff from from magic kingdom and disneyland but it really was it was all about it was all about epcot on there Mm -hmm. oh that's nice i think i have the vinyl 
of that. <laughs> yeah, I I look at it every now and then, and I'm like, eh. I, I'm I'm a snob when it comes to vinyl. I want to mm-hmm. buy brand new vinyl because mm-hmm. well, it, mine was brand new. Uh, okay, <laughs> so, uh, Mister Fancy there. Yes. So uh, no, I'm just old. Anyway, so elements were changed to the screens in the Earth Station post-show area, um, including the central overhead screen being replaced with a panel that had a UV-lit Epcot Center flower logo. Classy. Classy. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. uh, is this your favorite version of Spaceship Earth? I know many people claim it is. I, I loved it. I loved the Walter Cronkite version. I really did. So... I wish I just remembered it better. So well, I, it's on YouTube. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I I've watched it many yeah. times on YouTube. It just, I, I mean, while I, I again I know I experienced it, the next narrator that we talk about, you know, that's that was trips and trips and trips mm-hmm. all while I was growing up. So it's the one that's ingrained in my memory. I would have only saw the the Walter Cronkite version on like my first real vacation when I was five years old. So uh, it just, it's not there, but then many trips throughout the years of the next narrator are just ingrained in my system. And plus uh, it's, if you don't know who the narrator is, I, I also brought up how I loved my Lion King toys. So it even comes mm-hmm. all full circle. There you there. go. Look at that. What a good transition <laughs> here. Segway. I try. I try. Okay. In, in 1994, following AT&T's decision to renew their sponsorship contract, Spaceship Earth was once again closed for refurbishment and reopened on November 23, 1994. During the refurbishment, Tomorrow's Child was removed, and the attraction was entirely rescored by Ido Guidotti. The tone of the attraction was changed as Jeremy Irons replaced Walter Cronkite as Spaceship Earth's narrator with a more dramatic script by Tom Fitzgerald and produced and directed by Imagineer Larry Gertz. Other changes to the attraction at this time included the audio animatronics within the attractions were all updated, making the figures much more fluid. The attraction was given a musical score based on Bach's Symphonia No. 2 in C minor. The paperboy was given a deeper voice. I guess he grew up a little. The network operations center and the personal computer and the paperless office scenes were removed and replaced with a global communication scene. Here, an American named Jason, who owned a surfboard, and a Japanese girl named Keiko, who had a beautiful UV-lit cherry blossom tree behind her, communicated over video phone. And the video phone translated their native languages. The good old days. Yeah, yeah. The data was depicted to fly between them across the ocean via a fiber optic special effect. New laser effects were added to the ascent tunnel. In the planetarium starfield scene, all references to spaceships and space travel were removed. The space station was painted black in order to hide it, and the young girl looking out of the station was removed. The two astronauts are removed from Spaceship Earth, but they found a new home in Space Mountain. (laughs) The outer space scene received a new Earth projection. 
Where the space station scene had once been, new floating screens showing guests' news reports from all over the world were added to depict the interconnectedness of modern technology. Following the news, guests passed by a family playing a high-tech simulator game. I wonder if they were playing with the, with the family over in Carousela Progress. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> New laser effects that covered and followed the Omnimovers were added to create a sort of canopy over the vehicles. A new virtual classroom scene was added. The scene showed students and a teacher working with other classrooms from around the world. The Tomorrow's Child screens were removed and replaced with the new Starfield effect. A series of scenes which showcased important moments using the video phone were added. In the first scene, a mother sang a lullaby to her daughter. In the second, a family was able to attend their daughter's graduation, even though they could not physically be there. A third scene showed a family contacting a doctor using the video phone. Finally, a scientist in a cave was able to show his new discovery to a colleague in a futuristic city, which then beamed the information to another city. Guests then passed the futuristic city itself, which sat on the edge of an ocean and glowed with LED lights. As they passed, an information grid beamed out of the city, creating a vortex that followed guests down the descent ramp. The vortex then changed its shape when it passed a model of Spaceship Earth. Okay, first thing I have to go back to, I did not realize that the astronauts from Spaceship Earth were relocated to Space Mountain. Yeah, it's not cool. That is very cool. Um, I... I don't know if I agree with it uh, morally, but it's it happened, so I can't really do anything about it. But I just I feel like that's one of those pieces of trivia that I should have known for a long time, and maybe I did know it at one point in time, and I forgot it. But I am I'm just kind of taken aback on that. But uh, it's uh, hearing you go over the end scenes is where it really makes me miss this version. Mm-hmm. I. I I love this version going down again. It's the one I grew up with, so of course I'm going to be biased with it. But it's it, the great part about it was, I mean, it, part of it is it had to change, as we'll learn in the next section, because like the whole thing with the video phone is, you know, we're we're there right now today mm-hmm. with iPads, with iPhones. So yeah, uh, if, Skype, yeah. Yeah, if we're looking towards the future, we can't really be sh- depicting scenes of what is currently happening. But uh, it's it's a shame because it's I, leaving that end series of scenes as you're going down. It I don't there was something hopeful about it. It was like mm-hmm. while we watched the while we watched the dramatic rise of communication through history on the way up on the way down it was almost like a peaceful sense of of this is communication at work in its best way. And this is this is what is the greatest takeaways from it. And not not that there's anything wrong with with the beginning scenes, you know, at this point, the the paper boy is still facing a, a good direction, uh, despite his deeper voice that he was <laughs> added. Uh, there's there is still a lot of other positive elements to this that just 
don't make it through in the next next round of it. But yeah, yeah, yeah it gave me a nice a nice uh, case of the the emotions yeah. in this one, Michael. So well, good job. It, in these first versions, too, the the ending seemed epic and yes. emotional. Um, we'll get to the current version, and then we'll revisit and see. Do are we left with the same feeling of hope and and this sense, this epic conclusion, and this sense that um, you know this positive feeling of moving into the future. You know, that I believe all the other versions left us with when we disembarked. We're basically giving a big spoiler alert right now in terms of our feelings. We'll we'll, we'll We'll get get there. Yeah. Yeah. Now, in the post-show area, Earth Station was replaced by the Global Neighborhood. Uh, Guest relations in the World Key kiosks were moved to the northeast corner of the nearby Communicore building, which, as a reminder, that, that became interventions later on. Other experiences included interactive Wonderland, and and some of this is coming from the brochure that that guests were given when they when they entered this area. Um, the Cheshire Cat takes you into the future of television at Interactive Wonderland. Using your voice to activate commands, you can watch movies, play interactive games, and shop all on your TV screen. Now remember, this was amazing at the time. Um, this was cap- This all capitalized on the live-action Disney Alice in Wonderland TV series that was on the air at the time. You don't say. This featured automatic translation technology. Word-for-word translations don't always lead to a clear understanding of what's being said, as you learn when interpreting idiomatic expressions in different languages. Communication breakthrough. And with this, you break down the walls of communication with a virtual paddle and via a video link, see the person you're speaking and playing with. So guests sort of played a Pong-styled game with the video phone. And, and if you're wondering what Pong is, you're just going to have to Google it. But that was, it was amazing when I was at university. Um, storyteller phone. Storyteller phone would let the callers choose a fantasy background, such as a herd of wild elephants running through the jungle. So it sounds like uh, you, you were calling from another place. So... And riding the AT&T network. Now, during your simulated cruise on AT&T's fiber optic information superhighway, you experience the constant flow of information from encyclopedias, that's sort of like a Wikipedia in, on, in books, to, oh. to thousands of phone conversations to movies on demand that crisscross AT&T's networks at any given moment. So guests would step onto a dome platform that would tilt from side to side in sync with a video showing the rapid constant flow of information. So uh, it all sounds rather mundane today. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, but some changes time, are made for the better. Yeah, but at the time, it this was, uh, you know, pretty groundbreaking. Oh, yeah, absolutely, but uh, it's... It's these kind of post shows uh, like that that just go out of date so quick. I'm I'm looking at you, Mission Space post show. We'll get there one day in this entire <laughs> series, but that thing, that thing is just it, it's almost as bad as when I'm at Disneyland with with friends who uh, 
who love writing Buzz Lightyear's Astro Blasters, and they're like, don't you want to email your photo to yourself as you get off the attraction? It's like, no, I I don't really care to email myself a 300-pixel photo wide that's like, <laughs> even on a cell phone, if I would bring it up, it would be completely pixelated and just terrible. So uh, it's technology, man. It just it catches up with you. What do you want for free, Craig? <laughs> I, what do I want for free? Uh, love, uh, churros, and uh, uh, that's about it. Love and a churros. Good, good ride at Chuck. Good ride photos. <laughs> and good ride photos. <laughs> okay. Well, in January 2003, AT&T chose not to renew its sponsorship contract of Spaceship Earth, which was due to expire leaving the pavilion sponsorless for the first time in its history. All references to its former sponsor were removed after the contract expired. Spaceship Earth was not without a sponsor long, however. In 2005, Siemens announced that it would assume sponsorship of the pavilion as part of a 12-year, $100 million strategic alliance with the Walt Disney Company. In November 2005, the outside walls of the pavilion were painted light blue, and the Siemens logo was added to the pavilion. Although the company planned to update the attraction, the refurbishment did not come until 2007, when Spaceship Earth closed on July 9th for the most extensive renovation in the attraction's history. When the attraction reopened on February 28, 2008, it featured a new score by Bruce Bronton and a new script with Dame Judi Dench as the narrator. The theme of the new script reached for something broader than just communication to the idea of each generation of humankind creating the future for the next. Other changes to Spaceship Earth throughout the 2007 refurbishment included the addition of touchscreens to the ride vehicles, the safety warning films added late in the life of the 1994 version to The Ascent were removed and replaced with on-screen films introducing the new interactive screens. During The Ascent, passengers would select the language for the ride narration, indicate their home location on a map of the world, and then smile for a trackside camera for a photo that would be used later. The woolly mammoth and caveman scene were updated using CGI mammoths and cavemen. CGI was also used in the following cave painting scene so that the cave paintings now seem to come to life. The Greek play scene of Oedipus Rex was removed and replaced with a new scene which focuses on the mathematical advancements and philosophies of the Greek thinkers. The scene now shows an elderly Greek man teaching his students about math. One of the students appears uninterested, however, as he has fallen asleep. In the Renaissance scene, the two musical players were removed, and the statue that the Italian is sculpting has been slightly altered. One of the figures from the scene was relocated into the spectator group in the Greek scene. In the printing press screen, the man reading the printed newspaper was changed. He now wears glasses and has sideburns. He also has a new facial structure. The paper boy, who was shown selling newspapers on the street corner, is now turned away from guests. 
I assume because he no longer works. Um, the various screens in the cinema, which once showed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea, A Runaway Trolley, and Two Dancers were removed. The radio scene was altered so that a single man is now shown recording by himself. The scene that showed an American boy and Japanese girl communicating by video was removed. The boy, James, joined his family in the prior television scene. Next, a scene that focuses on the early pioneers of the home computer, such as Bill Gates and Steve Jobs, was added. The scene now shows a young man with long hair and glasses working in his garage. A new early computer scene was added on both sides of the track. The female character from the radio show scene was relocated to the scene and wears go-go boots and a lab coat. I guess it was very stylish at the time. Yeah. Um, every subsequent scene in the attraction, including the researches in the jungle and cave, the cities by the ocean, the four dioramas, and the video screen showing children were all removed and not replaced. At this point in the attraction, guests now use their touch screens to answer preference questions. After answering the questions, guests see a cartoon that shows different depictions of the future. The photo of guests' heads that had been taken earlier in the attraction is superimposed on the cartoon bodies. All other show scenes were removed, and simple blue triangular panels flank certain portions of the descent. The focus of the guest is to be on the vehicle screen, rather than on their surroundings. Now, do you want to finish with the post-show before we get to shredding this apart? Uh, uh, no, let, let's talk about now the this version. Because for many people, this is the only version of Spaceship Earth that they know. You poor, poor people. I'm so sorry <laughs> for you out there. Like, if, if it's because you weren't born yet, I understand. If it's because you didn't have the opportunity to uh, visit Disney, and then I also understand. But if you visited before and you just said, I don't want to go on the, the big golf ball ride, I don't care about that, then shame on you because you finally experienced a version that is just plain bizarre in some ways. Uh, mm -hmm. For me, the highlights, the Bruce Broughton score, it is awesome. And it is still on some of the, the Walt Disney World official album releases uh, when, when they have them. And it is beautiful music. He did mm -hmm. a fantastic job. Uh, Dame Judi Dench is a, a, a stoic narrator in her her telling of this attraction. Uh, you know, she's got plenty of the the key moments that I tried to drop in on last week's episode. With a, a you see that Egyptian there pounding those reeds flat? He's inventing mm -hmm. papyrus, a sort of paper like, uh, and. You know, and then obviously the ABC and the Phoenicians, like, it's just, they got goofy with that script. But then yeah. stuff like the Paperboy, I still don't understand that. Why did they turn him around? I don't know. It he's, makes no sense. He's me. facing yeah. an empty alleyway. I know. Why, why does I, I have to assume the, the, the audio animatronic figure was replaced with a static one or... 
he stopped working and they just didn't want to fix him. Well, were people were printing during the printing press's invention? Were people really rocking sideburns? Was it? I mean, I could be wrong. <laughs> I maybe they were, but uh, that, didn't you see newsies? <laughs> I, well, that's a much more before the printing press was invented. Definitely during Newsy's time, they were rocking sideburns. But even going uh, another thing, I don't think you had it in there, but it was kind of on and off with the um, in in the Roman scene. You know, it, it, the chariot that would race across and then go off in the distance. The light effect, you know, that's mm-hmm. that's gone with this one. Uh just just completely gone and that, was- and, and the, the narration here is the worst. Yeah. Oh my gosh. It's so bad. Yes. It it the absolutely first is. World Wide Web. Yeah. <laughs> I'm <Yeah>. sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh it, 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 terrible. And you know, there there are definitely positive uh it, additions to it uh i mean with you know besides the ones i already brought up like you know it's yes i like the screen with twenty thousand leagues under the sea and and all of that but you know they they replace it with uh the newsreel showing like jesse owens at the olympics that's mm-hmm. that's a very important moment i like that the you know the television scene showing showing the moon landing that's also also cool you know it's and moving on through there it's i i do like the scenes as they are now going through with the computer revolution so uh it's you know there's always the debate of who is the person working on the computer in that scene is it is it steve jobs is it is it steve wozniak who is it is it just this amalgamation of all the characters Uh, do you do you have a personal opinion on that michael i i don't think it's any of I, I think it's an amalgamation. Yeah, it's, just that it happened. I think you know, I think yeah. you're probably right with that. If I had to lean towards one, I would say Steve Wozniak. So, I do too because he literally did create it in his exactly. computer in his garage. Yeah, you know, so I would lean more towards him. Yeah, Steve Jobs was definitely a a brilliant man, but it was it was Wozniak doing the hard work on that. And then you know, everyone always points out the the Fleetwood Mac poster on there and says, well, you know, they get out their tinfoil helmets and say Mac. Mac computer person programming mm-hmm. must be Wozniak. Uh, that's just me. I don't do tinfoil hats all the time, just every other day of the week. Uh, and then, you know, it's it, you can't go wrong with Foxy Cleopatra wearing her, <laughs> her go-go boots and her giant fro. It's uh, it, For most people, I think it's probably the, the number one photo. If you take any pictures inside inside of Spaceship Earth, you're getting that photo. Of, of foxy standing there and uh i it's another one i've talked about photos i love taking before i talked about the mural uh, in the last week's episode uh i i almost always try to take a photo of, of foxy in there but my gosh the ending is just pure crap um it, I Af- under- yeah, yeah after the after the epicness and the hope uh, and and sort of the joy that all the previous versions left you with in the, in the descent, I I don't have any of that and, in this version. No, and I get it. It, it. it was technologically advanced at the time. We're going to make all these cartoon scenarios that can change based on who you are and who you're writing with and what questions you answer, and we'll put your faces on it even and. It's just, it was a gimmick that 
works once, really, in an impressive way. And then the next time, you know, it's okay, well, I know what I answered the first time around. Let me answer it differently this time. And it's, yeah, I, yeah. I, I get that if you just look at the same show scenes over and over again, you've seen them over and over and you pick it out, but there's an impressiveness to that. Me building my future. Uh, and then watching a cartoon that's awful, and usually, you know, th- even how they cut out your faces has gone downhill in time. Mm-hmm. It seemed like before they tried to make it as perfect as possible. Now it's like, oh, my shoulder's still in there. Th- that doesn't seem right. And okay, yeah, they the top half they need of to my- realign the yeah. camera. <laughs> well, it's, it's not even that. I mean, the people who are pulling the photos, they're they're doing that. That's a, that's a job. Like it takes the photos, and they're trimming your head out of there. Uh, it's okay. it's uh, not it, it's not good and it's just it is so bad uh, you know we're gonna, we're going to continue on with the future of spaceship earth but this this has been past its time i'm one of those people i wish they would have turned the screens off now i think 3 years ago just let me go down there in peace. Let me listen to the music. Yeah. Let me enjoy the lights and yeah. get well, me off this attraction. Those, what about those who hypothesize this is a nod to Horizons? I, it, they can join me in wearing tinfoil hats and hypothesizing about meaningless things. Uh, <laughs> at the end of the day, it's it was an idea that I felt like they said, this is going to be a big draw. People are going to want to come in and build their future. Maybe one day it can go even beyond this. And it just, it just seemed like it was an idea that had promised that just became dated very, very quickly. And that's, that's, that's what it is to me. I, I about the only enjoyment I get out of it is that now every now and then when I decide to do the entire attraction in a foreign language, and I'm like, let's let's see how ridiculous this is in Chinese this time, and go at <laughs> it never, from that angle. I've so, never done that. Oh, you you hmm. should. It's very enjoyable. You know, you know, do your... <laughs> I remember you mentioned that the last time we wrote it together. And yeah, I, 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 I should. I, I do it in German every now and then because it's a way for me to keep kind of fresh on listening to to german being uh actually spoken because anytime i would go to you know go to the germany pavilion and you know maybe use one or two words and then mm-hmm. see if the cast member will jump into it and then it's like nope i'm in over my head i don't remember enough <laughs> of it but does, uh, I, does I, dame judy dench say it in german no, but that, that oh, should have been no, I would listen to it yeah. for that. It's, uh, whoever the next narrator is, eventually when they add a new one, they need to do all foreign languages uh, actually from theirs. I, maybe it will be Larry the Cable Guy. We already know he does perfect Spanish based on his uh, performance inside uh, Mater's Junkyard Jamboree. So uh, <laughs> I love his his Spanish depictions. Well, that, on that. that would be perfect. great synergy. <laughs> Ed Chapek would love it. Oh, oh, shoot. And then they hit a roadblock room <laughs> fail. First shoot. World Wide Web. <laughs> oh, oh, uh, we just gave that's a terrible the only idea. Thing that, that's the only thing that would save that script. <laughs> it's on. Um, it's, it's someone out there. That's That will be my goal now is <laughs> we need to do a crowdfunding source to raise enough money to get Larry the Cable Guy to, to redo the entire script. And um, we'll put it in a video together. Oh, gosh. 
Oh, anyway, well, let's move on to the post-show area. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that, that was transformed into Project Tomorrow, Inventing the Wonders of the Future. And Project Tomorrow opened in two phases, with two games opening in December 2007 and two more in January 2008. This area once again uses the entire exhibit space that only... Earth Station had once used. The new exhibit space houses interactive exhibits featuring various Siemens AG technology. These interactive displays and games allow guests to see the future of medicine, transportation, and energy management. Um, Project Tomorrow's current attractions include an illuminated globe that shows the hometown of all Spaceship Earth visitors for the day. Each chosen point on the map glows as the guests exit the attraction. You see the photos, too. Uh, Body Builder, a 3D game that challenges guests to reconstruct a human body, features the voice of Wallace Shawn as Dr. Bones, and it emphasizes remote-controlled health technology. Super Driver is a driving simulation video game featuring vehicle accident and avoidance systems. It simulates what is supposed to be the future of driving. You drive a smart car and try to stop the city from being destroyed. Welcome to California. (laughs) Power City is a large digital shuffleboard style game that has guests racing around the board to power their city. And Inner Vision... A coordination and reaction time game with elements similar to Simon and Dance Dance Revolution. I just walk out of here once I get off Spaceship Earth. Uh, I can't believe that. Um, that, <laughs> that blows my mind. I stand there and wait until I see my photo uh, travel well, in from that. whatever exotic location I choose this time of saying where I'm from. Uh, you, you know, never where I'm actually from. Uh, <laughs> you know, every now and then it's, you, you just put in Orlando just because, you know, it's yeah, I want to see myself return to where I actually am. And it all works out. Uh, but... I think the one big takeaway from this is I, I don't I don't think I've really played any of the games in years. I forgot that Wallace Shawn uh, lended his voice to anything in this, so I think we can pretty much guarantee that at this year's uh, the 2019 D23 Expo, he will now officially become a Disney legend. <laughs> between this and obviously his voicing of Rex, and now that Fox owns. Or now that Disney owns Fox, you know, of course, Princess Bride, Princess Bride, Inconceivable. <laughs> yeah. So it's 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 there. It's while the other stuff is important, I think it was Bodybuilder that solidified his his Disney Legend status. And, oh, absolutely. And I have my photo with him, so I'm I'm uh, I'm at a legend. You're ready. I'm set. You're ready. Yeah. yeah. And and if you haven't guessed from our critique here, this version of Spaceship Earth is probably the most criticized. Um, the touch screens have not been well received by all guests and criticized as a gimmick, as I believe Craig you mentioned. Um, the descent scene is just criticized for the focus being on the interactive scene screens at the cost of the beautifully lit set pieces of the previous versions. So, yeah, I, mean, I still love it. Black curtains. Yeah, I, I still love it. It's just 
you know, mm-hmm. I have to hate it at its current phase. It's, oh, it's, yeah. It's it's I, like an actual human. It's just, it was, it, uh, before I experienced it, it was cute. And then even in its adolescence phase, it, it still had a cute side to it. And then it, it, as it got older, it got a little mature. And now it's like, it's in its terrible teenager phase. And mm-hmm. you just are ready for it to move off to college and come back and be respectful and, yeah. and ready to be an adult yeah yeah this is a must-do attraction for me so um i i yeah i still love this i mean it's still an amazing amazing attraction oh yeah i had to think like that you're just traveling through this giant geodesic sphere it's Mm -hmm. so cool so cool Now, Siemens ended their sponsorship of Spaceship Earth in 2017, and all branding has been removed. It will be interesting to see if if a new sponsor ever comes on board. Um, Many of the props and inscriptions are authentic reproductions of the originals. Imagineer John Hench insisted the props and the attractions should be the closest approximation that could be created. So here are some examples to look out for the next time you travel through Spaceship Earth. In the Cro-Magnon scene, or the caveman scene, the saber-toothed cat, the lion, cave bear, and the direwolf skulls were cast from molds of actual animals in the Paleolithic collection of the Page Museum in Los Angeles. In the Egyptian scenes, the hieroglyphics are accurate, and the gods Anubis, Soker, and Thoth are represented. The translations take up several pages, but all are authentic to the time period depicted in the show scene. In the Roman scene, the Latin inscription, which appears at the entrance to the Roman scene, is from the first of the twelve tables of Roman law that were codified about 451 BCE and were regarded by later Romans as the foundation for all their laws. The statue in the Roman scene is Emperor Augustus, and the graffiti on the walls in the fall of Rome scene also appeared on the walls of ancient Pompeii. In the Islamic scene, the astronomer on the balcony holds a quadrant that was reproduced from photos of a 10th century Islamic quadrant from the Metropolitan Museum of Art. In the medieval scene, Mary Robertson, the curator of rare manuscripts at the Huntington Museum in San Marino, California, was consulted about the creation of manuscripts during the Middle Ages. In the Gutenberg scene, Carrie Bliss, a fellow curator of rare books at the Huntington Library, was consulted about the printing of the Gutenberg Bible. In this scene, the page Gutenberg is examining was recreated from a page in the original Gutenberg Bible at the Huntington Library. In the Renaissance scene, experts in the field of Renaissance musicology were engaged to consult and perform the music in this scene. The male musician in this scene is playing the lute, and the female musician is playing the lyra de brachio. And the fun fact here, the female musician is also the daughter from the Carousel of Progress. They reused um, some of the masks. I'll have to pay attention to that. Yeah, yeah. Uh, We'll have more examples of of how uh, some of the molds were reused. Uh, In the steam press and newspaper scene, the steam press in this scene was designed from the actual patent drawings filed by Willem Bullock in 1863. And the newspaper is a reproduction of the real New York Daily. 
the telegraph scene. The calendar is a copy of a calendar from 1867 by Hatch and Company lithographers, and it was supplied by the Smithsonian Institute. And in the telephone scene, the magneto switchboard was created from an actual 1898 model supplied by AT&T. So, again, the, the, so the level of detail in this is just, you know, really impressive. Oh, I completely so. agree. So mm-hmm. it's they've, they nailed it in all the right ways that they needed to. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, there are dozens of audio animatronic figures throughout the attraction, and the story is that many of the male characters are repurposed hall presidents, uh, you know, molds uh, from the Magic Kingdom. So here, here's what what the claims are. That James Buchanan is Gutenberg. That Andrew Jackson could be the animatronic as Gutenberg's assistant. William Taft is the Egyptian priest. Teddy Roosevelt is a Roman senator. Zachary Taylor is a centurion Roman soldier. John Adams is one of the monks, the one riding, not the one sleeping. Um, John Tyler is one of the Turkish scholars. Franklin Pierce is another scholar. And Dwight D. Eisenhower is the mandolin player. So you're going to have to check all that out. I will. So uh, maybe at the next refurbishment, they'll put Bill Clinton is into something, and oh, then I'll, no, no, I'll no, believe President. It. No, 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 <laughs> President Trump. I, I want him in there. Uh, he will be the Egyptian pounding those reeds flat. So it's <laughs> making the first news. He'd, and it, it would be the best papyrus ever. <laughs> Right. Well, Craig, I hope there's. you now have so much of humanity's history swirling around in your head from all these ride-throughs of Spaceship Earth that, that now you have to have room for Disney history because it's time for this day in Disney history for the week of April 28th. So. I hope I do. <laughs> okay. Well, on April 28th, which iconic Walt Disney World restaurant changed its name on April 28th, 1997? Ooh, um... I... This is iconic. At the Magic Kingdom, I'll give you a hint. I don't... I don't know. I, I genuinely don't know. Okay. Well, the restaurant at Walt Disney World's Cinderella Castle is renamed Cinderella's Royal Table. And although it was originally called King Stefan's Banquet Hall, King Stefan was actually Sleeping Beauty's father, not Cinderella's. Yeah, okay. No, I, I know I've I, I've heard King Stefan's before. I think we've talked about it on this show before, but mm-hmm. that just that didn't really dawn on me. So Yeah, I, ha- I have two mugs. From King wow. Stephen's Banquet Hall. It's it's just one of those ones. It's I think kind of because it is so iconic. It's it's hard to think of it any other way than the name that it, it currently has. So, mm-hmm. and I mean ninety seven now. We're we're talking twenty two years. Oh geez, I feel <laughs> old. <laughs> okay, well for April 29th, which Walt Disney Studio live action film based on a novel by Ray Bradbury was released on April 29th, 
I'm guessing something wicked this way comes. That's correct. Yeah. Then, of course, this stars Jason Robards, Jonathan Price, Diane Ladd, and Royal Dano, who, of course, we all know is the voice of Abraham Lincoln for Walt Disney's Great Moments with Mr. Lincoln attraction. Um, two young boys named Will and Jim encounter a sinister carnival whose proprietor, Mr. Dark, lures the people of a small town to their doom by promising to fulfill their childhood desires. I like this film. That, I, I don't think I've actually ever seen the movie. I I read the book that was my Halloween book two years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I try to read at least two seasonal books every year. Um, I think it's something we've talked about on the show. I read I read something wicked this way comes two years ago. This past year I read Halloween Tree, and I was enamored with Halloween Tree. Um, mm-hmm. I didn't mind something wicked this way comes. I thought the book was was pretty fun. And then once I, I read Halloween Tree, uh, which also has its Disney Disneyland connection, I like that's and I finished it. I you know it, that was a half a day read where I just sat down and I started it one day and I I loved it. I I highly recommend it to anyone out there who hasn't given it a shot. It is so mm-hmm. so good. Good. I I will re- I usually read um Shirley Jackson's The Haunting. Yep. Uh so but uh, every Halloween, but I'll add that one yeah. to my no, next Halloween. I of course I have uh, Hill House on my list for this year. So mm-hmm. As it, we talked about that too back yeah, we <laughs> in did. the day. We yeah. Did. yeah. Okay, and it's nothing like the the recent mini series on Netflix. I think it was. So, yeah. Um, yep. Yep. Anyway. Okay, April thirtieth. On April thirtieth, nineteen fifty-two, the first toy ever advertised on television is widely introduced to the public. Over one million kits will be sold in the first year. This toy made its Hollywood debut with a leading role in the 1995 Disney-Pixar animated feature Toy Story, which boosted its popularity with a new generation of children. Which toy debuted today in 1952? The only one that is jumping out at me a popular toy that also appeared in toy story would be potato head originally invented by george lerner in 1949 mr potato head was sold to henry and merrill hansenfield in 1951 the creators of the toy company hasbro And my Mr. Potato Head, it was how we survived our childhood, I'll never know. It was a, you used your own potato, and and then the um, pieces that came in the kit had real nails in them. And you poke them into the potato. Oh, my gosh. Your real potato, yeah. That plastic potato didn't come till way later. I don't know if I ever had one. Mm -hmm. I don't remember. And then there was a Mrs. Potato Head, and then they, then they, got a little nuts when I was a boy and there was like a, a green pepper and there was a carrot kit and there, there was all kinds of stuff but Mr. Potato Head was the only one that survived and, and Mrs. Potato Head uh, so. I, anyway. I had Ninja Turtles that was for me uh-huh. that's what my son had 
Okay, May 1st, the Disney MGM Studios theme park at Walt Disney World opened to the public on May 1st, 1989. The Great Movie Ride, a replica of the entrance to Groman's Chinese Theater, features a courtyard for celebrity handprints and signatures. A program called Star Today will allow celebrities over the years to leave their mark. Who was the very first star to leave their handprints in the courtyard? I think I think it was was it Annette? It was the original Mouseketeer, Annette Funicello. I had to pull that one from the deepest, darkest back section of my mind. That was good. Makes sense, though. When Carol and I were on our honeymoon, the star today was Betty White. Oh, and then they, yeah. they and they would do an interview, you know, with her in front of the theater, yeah. you know, for everybody to watch. I've just I've been reading a lot about it right now because uh, obviously we're rapidly approaching uh, the the 30th anniversary, and mm-hmm. so it's been. I I will be there uh, in, with press and. I don't. I hate to say it like that because yeah, I will be there with press uh, as part of it. But if I wasn't there for that, I'd be there as a fan uh, for mm-hmm. it. So it's Hollywood Studios is a very important park to me, and so I I couldn't imagine anywhere else I would be on May first uh, unless yeah. Pete sent me to Europe, and then I would gladly take that over Hollywood Studios. But. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> oh, where's your commitment? <laughs> you, get, uh, you know, it's, it, oh, if he told you that you were going to Tokyo Disneyland versus versus Hollywood Studios 30th anniversary, which one would you take? Oh, I'd go to um, I'd go to Tokyo. Yeah, yeah exactly. Because <laughs> you know, you know, Carol and I they'll spend our wedding anniversary there, and that was when. Um, when Disney MGM Studios was opening, it was in the first yeah. first yeah. moments, first weeks of it. And then the first time we brought our children to Walt Disney World, you know, way back in the day, Animal Kingdom was having its soft opening for resort guests. He did. Perfect so, timing. Yeah, it was great. So, Okay. All right. Well, May 2nd, at an early morning dedication ceremony at Magic Kingdom Park on May 2nd, 2014, Walt Disney World Parks and Resorts chairman Tom Staggs announces that the crowning jewel of New Fantasyland will officially open on May 28th. What was Tom Staggs referring to? Oh, I remember this clearly. Thank you for choosing a question from... uh my day with the Diz. So mm-hmm. my days with the Diz. That is, uh, that, this was Seven Dwarfs Mine Train. That's right. Do you consider oh. it the crowning jewel? Uh, no, I don't. But <laughs> it, I, I, it is a cute attraction. But this was this was the final straw that really, to me, uh, the if you've heard me on any of the shows. I know I can't even speak once without it getting a tangent in there. But if you hear me speak on any of the shows, I am trying to say over and over again that not every attraction that opens up in a park needs to be an e-ticket attraction. Oh, absolutely. And this yeah. w- this is a perfect example of it. To me, Seven Doors Mine Train, because it's a roller coaster and has these highly advanced animatronics, immediately it gets... It gets 
recognition is an e-ticket attraction, but for me, it's it's like a C-list. I was thinking it, it's a C attraction for me as well. Yeah, it's it's not a must do for me. Yeah, and on a good day, on a good day, I would say D list. But this is not an E list attraction for me. There are still so many others. I mean, uh, the mountains, Jungle Cruise, even there are so many other attractions that give you a payoff for the time that you wait in line, and and I think that are just more worth seeing. So. Oh, sorry, no, I, I got agree. Fired up there. No, well, you know, all the parks they need a variety of attractions, and and you can't have all e-ticket attractions, nor should you expect them to build all e-ticket yeah. attractions. So, and, uh, and the best but people part are of this disappointed att- if they're not. Yeah, and know? it's just it's not thorough. The best part of the attraction is obviously with the animatronics, and mm-hmm. you zip by them not quickly, but. I, at a pace fast enough that I feel like you don't get to appreciate them enough. And Absolutely. then the thrilling parts of it aren't really thrilling at all. So you're kind of left with two sections where you only feel half fulfilled. And that, to me, that's not that's not a marquee attraction. And it, it killed like anyone who came to the parks during that time because they decided to do that last and kind of changed up their plans with New Fantasyland then they had that nightmare of we're going to try to build a ride literally smack dab in the middle of a land instead of being smart and they could have had that done first and then expanded behind it with mm-hmm. uh with be our guest and and uh little mermaid and all of that but instead it just all got thrown to crap it it was a bad time in the parks and i will constantly fight against that attraction <laughs> until my dying days <laughs> okay well <laughs> we'll have to ride it together someday <laughs> oh well yeah for a photo uh-huh. oh yeah okay on may 3rd on may 3rd 1994 the walt disney company announced plans for the creation of what vacation venue mm. it was new for them I gosh, I should know this one. It's it's between it's between Vacation Club or Cruise Line. I'm not sure okay, which one. Choose choose one. Choose one. You have a fifty fifty chance. Flip the coin. Vacation Club. <laughs> Disney Cruise Line. You're correct. <laughs> Disney yeah. Cruise Line is what it was. I should have said it's the one you're not filming <laughs> in May. <laughs> There, so, there you yeah. go. No, you would have got me. Yeah. No, I. It's. I. I know that. I. I think it's just I've heard so much about Vacation Club, and the start of it that I've completely like. I've completely lost track of everything with it. That <laughs> and it's all that's on my mind. Yeah. Okay, finally, May 4th. Walt Disney's first True Life Adventure featurette goes into general release on May 4th, 1949. It had been previewed in theaters back in December 1948. What is the name of this documentary? um, Um... I... I don't think it was African Lion. Um, You're right, it was not. 
And I think I asked you this question back in December. <laughs> um, I'm not sure though. Yeah, I, um, and you might have, and I'm just trying to go through all of the true life adventures that I know and think of at first the ones that stand out the most, and then maybe was it Seal Island? It was. That's right. Very good. Directed by James Algar, the documentary studies the saga of life on Seal Island, one of the tiny specks of land in the Bering Sea. Archaeo Radio Pictures, a distributor of, of Walt Disney's films at this time, initially had refused to release the half-hour documentary. Walt had booked the film for its Los Angeles and New York theatrical engagements, and Archaeo later agreed to release the film nationally only after it proved its commercial potential and received the Academy Award. <laughs> and I think the only reason I was able to pull that out of my head is I think Bob actually brought it up while we were recording, too. And it was just on my mind. Oh, okay. But, um, no, that's... Seal Island's good. Like yeah. It. Excellent. Well, you did pretty well there. I feel like you took it easy on me this week after last week. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe. Or you're just getting sharp. And maybe. <laughs> that too. Well, you know, Spaceship's Earth's future is surrounded by rumors as Epcot is being reimagined to make it more timeless, more relevant, more family-friendly, and more Disney. Spaceship Earth is scheduled for refurbishment. The attraction will close in early 2020 for a refurbishment lasting until the second half of 2022 and the park's 40th anniversary. It's rumored the entire track will be replaced and the load and unload areas may be moved. The post-show building will be removed and replaced with a new structure. The show scenes will be refreshed leading up to the Industrial Revolution scene. That's where the newspapers are being printed as the young boy sells them steps away. Maybe he'll actually turn it turn back towards us. Um, with significant changes to every scene following that, all the way to the end of the ride. The scene in the planetarium at the top of the attraction where guests look back at Earth from space is supposedly going to be drastically reimagined utilizing the latest in projection mapping technologies. And projection mapping will also be set up on the exterior of Spaceship Earth for nighttime spectaculars. So, Craig, have you heard any updates on what's happening? This is one thing that has been completely off my radar. So I've only... Uh, I've only really been uh informed on this by a lot of the the rumors that have come out um i think uh, this was one the wdw news today broke like like many of the rumors and you know they obviously have a track record of uh, of things coming true so it's it's definitely something that should be taken into consideration uh and it, it's something that has been long considered a, a possibility at spaceship earth you know it's I, I can remember the days when i used to sit on message boards way way back when and everyone was afraid that spaceship earth was going to be, have a roller coaster 
running I know. right there. I was bit. so scared <laughs> they were going to do that. I still am nervous about that with Chapek. Yeah, they, you the, never know what's going to happen with anything. Uh, you know, I, I think I think we showcased enough from our conversation last week that clearly the version of Spaceship Earth that we have right now is not living up to the potential of the attraction. Mm-hmm. So I, 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 I think it is due at least for a, a refurb. I don't want to see some of those iconic scenes gone because a, a lot of the scenes they chose, you know, it, it they they chose them for a reason because they are important in the history of communication as a whole. So um, it, it's a tough one. So I, you know, it's every, everything leading up to the industrial revolution part. Like that's that's a lot. That is, it's the mm-hmm. bulk of the attraction, but. Um, and those are like we talked about. Though those are the scenes that are traditionally updated with yeah. every iteration. Yeah, it's uh, but it, and if they were if they were updated in a tasteful way that still pays homage to what was there before, I think I am more on board with it. I'm just afraid that that it changes too drastically, but. My my problem with Spaceship Earth, I think I've well established it with the episodes. It's it's not so much about the entire story. It's not about the narration. Right now, the only issue I have with the attraction is genuinely the ending. The ending mm-hmm. is awful. It's it's not a good ending to the attraction. Um, it's I I would love to see everything from the time that you finally make it up into the dome at the top. I would love to see the dome refurbed and then the entire way down. I don't need the first part changed. I I would love the track to be refurbed because it definitely has its issues, but uh, the show scenes they (sighs) I am, you know, maybe it is a blend of too much nostalgia that's leading me to think it's iconic, but I I feel like those scenes are there because they're important and they need a lot of them need to stay there but we'll have to see what happens. I mean, yeah, we don't yeah. know. Well, I as long as they don't do like, you know, some of the stuff they've done with It's a Small World and put Disney characters like, you know, Captain Jack Sparrow standing with the Phoenicians on their ship or something. I mean, and I wouldn't put it past them. Yeah, well, <laughs> anyway. that's you have to worry about that in there as well. Why can't we why can't we add Disney characters in here to tell the story of mm-hmm. communication? Why can't mm-hmm. we do that? But um uh, I I hope I don't have to say it to point out the obvious because Disney characters weren't there. <laughs> oh, but um, but ca- Cap- Captain Steve Rogers was there from World War Two on. I mean, you know, I'll give you that. Uh, you know, <laughs> Captain America should be in the attraction uh, from there on. But but beyond that, you know, it's I I don't oh, know. Man. It's <laughs> it, it, it. This is such a tough one. I'm. Yeah. While I love to say that I'm open to change and I applaud Universal for their willingness to to rip out the old in order to bring in the new, whether good or bad, 
this is one for me that it if they change it too drastically it will hurt no matter oh i agree how they change it i agree do you now since we've talked about all the versions do you have a particular favorite uh yeah i mean jeremy irons Mm-hmm. Because that's what I grew up on, and after that, I'd have to say Walter Cronkite, because I have those base memories of it, but um, more from for playback. But then, um, you know, th- there's nothing against Jane Duty Gench. Wow, I screwed up her name there. <laughs> Dame <laughs> Judy Dench. Uh-huh. But... It's, I like her not so much because of the show scenes that are on there. I like her because of the ridiculous script that they wrote her. Oh. It's just it's stupid. I don't once. know how she said it with a straight face. I, I don't think she did. It, it, sometimes <laughs> I, I feel like she probably called in Helen Mirren and said, you got to read this for me and just do it in my voice yeah. and yeah. I'm going to take all credit for it. Yeah. Now my version, favorite versions are flipped. It's it's Walter Cronkite, but of course that was the one I knew the most. It, so you know it's a generational thing. Yeah. And then and then it's Jeremy Irons. Yeah, so. and it's it's a lot of Jeremy Irons too. Is I I respect everything about Walter Cronkite, but I also I, I've said many times like my Disney Renaissance film is Lion King. So it's. To, to ride an attraction with a version of Scar also narrating the way, it's <laughs> it also really, really helps. So, But everything up until let's black out the entire end of the ride and put in video screens, I don't think you can go wrong with any version. Mm-hmm. I agree. So, Yeah, and Spaceship Earth is the perfect introduction to Epcot. It's tour of humankind's past history is a prelude to future world's presentation of tomorrow and in our next installment of our series on epcot we will take a long ride through the universe of energy and craig i better not catch you napping no i'm gonna feel the flow (laughs) during our ride (laughs) there we go i mean here we go but it's a universe of energy yes Uh, no dumb judy so, anyway, stupid many, Judy. Stupid Judy. Well, yeah, I wanted <laughs> to be nice. So, anyway, many books, films, articles, interviews, and lectures were sourced for this episode of Connecting with Walt, including The Thinking Fan's Guide to Walt Disney World, Epcot by Aaron Wallace, The Epcot Explorer's Guide, Encyclopedia, A Guide to Walt Disney World's Greatest Theme Park by R.A. Peterson, Secret Stories of Walt Disney World by Jim Corcus, um, some websites. Um, and articles that I use, Spaceship Earth, the Mickey Wiki, History of the Ride, Spaceship Earth by the Kingdom Insider. I'd also like to thank my lovely research assistant and wife, Carol Bowling, for her invaluable work locating the additional materials I needed for this episode. This was the final um, series um, that she assisted me with before her passing. Um, Craig, until next time, how can our listeners connect with you? As always, you can find me on the Walt Disney World Edition podcast, the Universal Edition, Best and Worst of Walt Disney World, Disneyland, and anytime on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Teleclaster. Michael, what about you? You can send me messages at michael at wdwinfo.com. 
Twitter at mbowling121. Facebook, I'm Michael Bowling. Instagram, Michael Bowling the Diz. You can connect with both me and Craig on Twitter at ConnectingWalt. If you would like to listen to more shows on the history of Walt Disney, his studio, his Imagineers, and Disneyland, check out our Disneyland podcast archives for my Disney history episodes at disunplug.com. Look for past episodes of Connecting with Walt on iTunes, where you can subscribe to our show and leave some positive reviews and ratings. Thank you for making us a part of your day. And remember, I only hope that we don't lose sight of one thing, that it was all started by a man, Walt Disney, and his brother Roy. 